Podbean is live. Discord is live. When's the last time you heard a podcast that truly did not give a damn about what people thought or said? It's been a while, right? Welcome to No Filter Radio. No Filter Radio. We have freedom of speech. Too bad nobody else uses it. If we think it, if we think it, we say it. We say it. And we say it how we want. From cultural issues to political issues. As a matter of fact, we cover any issues. Open your ears as we open our huge mouths. This is No Filter Radio, and this is your host, Mark G. What is going on, No Filter Radio? What a day, what a day. It's Sunday, uh, November 14th. Today we've got an interview set up for you with Mr. Michael Heath. He is uh, running, he's a governor candidate for the state of Maine. Uh, I'm just going to hold on one second here. I'm just going to mute his mic for two seconds. There we go. So I got Governor, um, sorry, Governor Candidate Michael Heath. Uh, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I got Mike's Heath's uh, microphone unmuted. So, Mr. Heath, just want to let you know that we do have a co-host. His name is Justin. He's uh, within our show as well. Uh, he He's not from Maine. He has family and friends that are actually that live in the state of Maine. Justin's also a veteran of the United States Army. Uh, he's been my co-host now for the past, I'd say, nine to ten episodes. So he'll be joining nice. in, joining in on this podcast as well. Uh, so with everything being said, uh, number one, I want to go ahead and have you introduce yourself. Then I have an opening statement as well for my listeners. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and just you know introduce yourself to everybody, that'd be great. Mark, thanks for having me on. It's good to meet Justin. I can't see him. I don't know if I'm supposed to be able to or not. Uh, I can <laughs> no, actually, he's on the uh, Podbean side. Uh, so, mm -hmm. like I said, we broadcast live on multiple different platforms. Justin's over on Podbean. He doesn't have a camera set up or anything. So he'll be on through audio. You should be able to hear him uh, once he clicks on his mic. So, Okay, awesome. Well, looking forward to some unfiltered discussion on No Filter Radio. Fantastic. All right, folks. So here's the deal. Today's show. Number one, I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a client's employee of mine. Um, I'll get into that here in a little bit. Please note to everything said on No Filter Radio uh, with any of the guests that we have on our show. I don't care who the guest is at that point. Everybody we invite on has their own opinions, their own thoughts. And that is the great thing about being American. We should be allowed to have our own opinions. We should be allowed to have our own thoughts. And we should be able to live our lives the way we want. It's the American way. It's the way it should be. Unfortunately, we are noticing that that's deteriorating as we go through uh, these past couple of years. With all that being said, I do have a series of questions. But, Mr. He, uh, let me ask you this. What is it that you're looking for when you run your governancy, um, what is it that you're looking to do for the state of Maine? 
I'm looking to serve the people of Maine as the chief executive whose lim limits are defined by the Maine Constitution. And the United States Constitution is pretty simple, really. Okay. So one of the things I did prior to this, I posted on Facebook asking people uh, what the questions they would want to ask you. One of the biggest mm -hmm. problems that we do have in the state of Maine, we're not even going to get into certain issues that we already know what's going on as far as like COVID goes, but we also got another issue that's happening in the state of Maine. It is the pandemic that we have of people overdosing. There's a huge drug overdose happening in the state of Maine. A lot of deaths of young individuals who are dying from overdoses. We have an opiate crisis here in the state of Maine. As governor, what would you do for this opiate crisis? Well, the first thing we have to do, Mark, uh, is to understand that it's fundamentally, this the, the drug problem, any addiction, is fundamentally a problem of the soul. I don't think the, the government is the best positioned as an institution to uh, address it as quickly as it needs to be addressed. I think that other institutions are equipped to ramp up fast to be able to bring those numbers down and to and to address them i'm getting an echo now i don't know why um are you getting it one second let me see if i can um let me see if this would go ahead and try give me a mic check real quick tell me if you get an echo that's one two three yes how about now test one two still getting it pretty profound pretty loud is it uh well, let me ask my listeners here justin are you getting an echo on your end as well when you're hearing him speak i am not you're not getting an echo no all right oh you know what let me see all right uh da -da 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 -da. try that's weird that we're getting an echo i've not had the echo issue before happen so my my son tells me when this happens to just uh, live, just get used to it, just live with it. So it gets louder as I'm talking. And I'm hearing my own voice about a nanosecond after I speak. There, it's gone now. It's gone, it's gone now. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So as I was saying, there are other institutions in Maine better equipped to bring those numbers down quicker than the government prohibiting some uh, substance or uh, the government really doing much of anything to uh, interfere with it because i said it's a problem of the soul so what do we, we first of all we got to admit that we we all have you which you've already admitted we we all we have a big problem in the state of maine and then moms and dads are the uh, front line in in dealing with they care the most families care the most a lot of times uh, drug addiction gets started early in life mom and dad need to be paying attention to the signs and they need to be intervening uh, quicker than they ever have because as you said, it's an, it's an epidemic and they're the ones who are most equipped to begin the conversations, the interventions, whatever's needed to uh, help that individual to confront the addiction and get through to the other side. I don't know what the perfect solution is. I think uh, some people can be helped by 12-step programs. Some people can be helped by uh, going to their uh, church or religious institution. Some people can I mean, there's an infinite number of ways that people can be helped to address matters of the soul. As I said, and I want to repeat it for emphasis, I don't think the government is, is or should be the institution best positioned to deal with this particular crisis. Okay. Now, with that being said, as you know, we do have an issue as far as a lot of this stuff. Oh, wait, I've do shown uh, somebody on Facebook saying there is an echo uh, Gary, just a quick question for you. Are you hearing an echo now? Um, but 
What I was going to go and say is that obviously we have an issue at the border, as you've seen. So we have the drugs coming in across from the border. Large thing. As a matter of fact, the biggest thing that we're seeing now is uh, fentanyl being tied into pills. So people are ordering pills on, on the Internet now. And they're thinking, oh, I'm going to get myself some Adderall. But when they're ordering these Adderalls on, on the Internet, it's coming in to be just a fentanyl pill. That's where a large, uh, um, lot of the overdoses are coming from now. Would there be anything as far as like mail ordering pharmaceuticals to the state of Maine? Would there be any blockage that would be created through your side? I think that's an idea, Mark, uh, worth discussing as a matter of law for sure with respect to the borders of Maine. If the pharmaceutical companies or Amazon or any kind of internet sources uh, misrepresenting uh, what they're selling or selling something for the purpose of uh, increasing addictions or hurting main people, then I think that the government has a duty to deal with that legally, to respond to that legally. And the way to deal with it is not uh, for the chief executive to, uh, to, to deal with it alone, but for the uh, governor and the legislature to confront it very publicly through hearings and through uh, addressing the facts and then passing laws to uh, to address the, the problem. Okay. I do have a question here coming from Facebook. Uh, Gary Greenlaw posts, how can resources be made more available to families dealing with addiction? Again, I don't think the government is the best equipped to uh, be the one to manage the uh, resource, uh, to manage the distribution of resources to help with drug addiction. Uh, maybe, maybe there could be a, we could find justification to have it play some kind of partnering role. But I think that the best, the institution best equipped to face the institutions that are best equipped to face the problem the quickest and bring those numbers down are private institutions. And it's like the family and uh, the churches and uh, uh, nonprofits that could form. That's one thing about the American people, Mark, that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, now, and that is that we are we have a history of being the most generous uh, people, the uh, private people, just individuals who group together to do charitable work. We have uh, a reputation, a history, we Americans, for being the most generous people on the planet. We like to we'd like to give to charities. I've watched that change when, when I was uh, involved professionally with politics in Maine. I was the head of a nonprofit called the Christian Civic League of Maine, and we were able to attract donations, never enough to, to, to satisfy me. I was the chief fundraiser. But I've noticed that uh, as the millennials uh, moved into that role of receiving income and then making charitable contributions, the uh, donations have shifted a bit from uh, Christian or religious nonprofits to uh, nonprofits who make themselves accountable to, in a very quick way, using the internet to help the poor, or, uh, get involved with this particular, you, you've seen a whole uh, cottage industry uh, grow up around that, I forget the name of it, but these these fundraising internet sites. And one of, part of their shtick is to be able to show pictures and sort of instant uh, reaction to the help that you've provided by sending your 10 bucks or your 100 bucks. And uh, so America, the American people are still very, very generous. And if we would reduce the footprint of government in uh, saving everyone from everything, keeping them uh, safe from every potential possible harm and fear ever known to man, and many now not known to man, which are being fabricated, then I think we'd be a lot better off. Okay. You mentioned the uh, internet. Now, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in the state of Maine, it's been since I've been a kid, is 
Maine has a monopoly as far as our internet and cable goes, as well as our electricity here in the state of Maine. In other states, you have multiple choices for what you want for an electrical company. You also have multiple choices for your cable and internet. Granted, we do have multiple choices for our internet, but everything's monopolized as far as cable goes with Time Warner Cable being our only option for cable. I'm not sure why this is. I really haven't looked into it, but if you, uh, I'm sure you've noticed as well that you, the only monopolization you have is Time Warner Spectrum now, actually, is you can only have Spectrum. We don't have um, AT&T Fios here or so forth. What would you do to open up that broadband? Also, we have the stupid infrastructure plan that just recently got approved and is supposed to improve our internet. Whether it does or doesn't, we still have a monopolization as far as our power goes. And I actually have a question from a, a listener that's going to roll in with this power question here in a minute. But what would you do as far as ending this monopolization that we have with the cable companies and the power companies? I would use whatever power I have under the main constitution to break everything up, to break up the monopolization of literally everything. Now, they're, now uh, the American corporate uh, legal structure and culture is monopolizing um, uh, culture. They're they're making a monopoly out of what we think and and what we do culturally. And they've moved they've moved on. They they locked up uh, power. They've locked up internet. They've they've locked up literally everything on the sort of business side of our lives. Um, so I would use my executive power to break everything to break all to decentralize. You know this popular word with uh, cryptocurrencies: decentralize not just currency but everything. And get and get the power down to where it belongs, which is with the individual making choices about which an, an internet company they want to subscribe to, making choices about which power company they they want to uh, respond to. Why do we have to take solar power and stick it into these ugly, great big, uh, whatever they call them? I just drove by one here in Augusta, and I just noticed they just introduced goats that are running around eating the grass underneath, and they've got a big field that spreads spreads. You can't see where it ends; it goes around the corner there. And uh, why is why aren't we working to put solar help uh, solar show up on individual homes uh, with with a with a lower array and a lower footprint environmentally and aesthetically? And it's because of corporations, because everything's monopolized. Everything's got to go through the government or some huge corporation. Okay, fantastic. Now I guess here we go. The uh, question I have from a listener: If you're da, 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 do you have a plan to make Maine energy independent? If so, what is it? Well, my, yeah, uh, I do. I have a, a passion to do it. I, I have a commitment to do it, as I say, within the limits of the powers granted to the executive. I don't have a plan yet because it's not my area. It hasn't been an area of interest for me during my lifetime. But uh, I think my plan at this point to address that particular issue is going to be similar to how I'm going to address a lot of other issues that I'm not an expert in, and that is going to be to hire the best people or hire or appoint the best people who agree with my vision for Maine, which we're starting to articulate here, which has a lot to do with dismantling government's role in allowing for the consolidation of, uh, of power, for example, with, with electricity. Um, and, and so I would hire the best people and we would, uh, we would proceed. Now, part of what I have uh, as a vision is to is uh, to look at everything. We tore out all of our dams, and I know that's a very controversial issue. But I, with this uh, CMP corridor that just got voted down, was uh, based on moving hydro-generated power from Canada through Maine down into the southern 
United States. Well, speaking uh, of the so, CMP corridor, um, yeah, CMP obviously, corridor. yeah, we voted. We told them to stop work, right? Us as main voters, we voted and said, no, we don't want you to do this. Yeah. Now, we haven't seen Mills do anything or say anything, and they're continuing to work on this corridor. What should be happening right now? What, what do you, if you had a message to send to Janet Mills, what would you say to her as far as CNC and P still working? How would you, how do you think she should handle it? And how would you handle it as governor right now? If you're seeing them still working on after Maine already put out their voices that said, no, we don't want it. Well, I did. I don't know the, his name, but he's in the Bible. He's uh, the King. He walked through the front gate and Jezebel was standing. Uh, I call her Jezebel Janet kills. And in the biblical story, the King yelled up at her and, her age threw her out the window onto the street where she died and the dogs that licked up her blood. That's, that's the Bible story. I, so I call her Jezebel. I say, take your hands off it. The voters voted, stop the backroom deals that you and Paul LePage cut that motivated Maine people to vote the way they did. And let's get this thing back uh, on track constitutionally. If it, if it can be put on track constitutionally, one of the big constitutional problems with it is it runs across public lands and the Constitution says clearly that two-thirds of the legislature needs to make those decisions if it's going to affect public land. I think that's a good policy. So we got to go back to the legislature. we got to get two-thirds vote. Uh, if we can't get that, we can't do it. Okay. Another question they have uh, here is, what is your vision of public health going forward? 30% of hospital workers have left their positions. Do you think new healthcare organizations should be formed? Absolutely. Not only do I think it, it's already happening. And, and it's happening because uh, very competent nurses, I've met a few as I've, got a, as I've started campaigning, very competent nurses literally have no other choice. They've just lost their paycheck because they won't, I guess we can't talk about it because we're, uh, we're on fake book, but <laughs> be, because, because they made a decision about their bodily autonomy that got them fired. So they literally don't have any choice if they want to stay within their profession. Now, these people, Mark, are, are folks who, who have invested uh, four, eight years, more than that, in, in terms of their experience on becoming really great nurses or really, gate, really great experienced healthcare providers. And they're now without an income. And they've probably got, uh, it's very likely they have college debt. They have a lot of pressures. They might have a family. And now they're out of work. It's absolutely insane what's happening. It's evil what's happening in Maine because of Jezebel. Janet kills. And uh, Paul, I call him Paul Turn LePage. La is French for the. Turn the page. Turn LePage. Paul Turn LePage uh, isn't any better on that particular issue that we can't talk about anymore, or else uh, Mark Zuckerface is going to kill us or off, right? So that we don't have a life anymore in his uh, metaverse that he's building for us, where we're all going to live on goggles in order to. Uh, nourish our souls. Yeah, I ain't gonna. It's ridiculous. It's insane. The whole thing is insane. All right. So now, now I've got another question. I'm not really sure if this is even a governor's standpoint um, because I still think this is more on a federal level. But the question they were asking is, how do you plan to confront the FBI if they investigate parents for domestic terrorism for questioning uh, curriculum? <laughs> I'm laughing because a year ago the FBI visited me at home. And uh, I, at the time, I was uh, working with my son in North Carolina, and they uh, they accused me of criminal intent. And the real uh, the reason they were there is because some anonymous complainant had read my religious and political speech on the internet and had made a complaint. 
And so they drove miles, two of them in a, one of these black Suburbans. And, and it's just, it, it's hard for me. To, it's so stupid. The FBI has become just so if, okay, if I'm the chief executive and I have the power within the constitution to call up the state, my state police and tell them to physically eject the FBI, I'll, I'll do that in a heartbeat or the county sheriffs. If I have some kind of authority there, uh, I will do that. I have no respect, none, zero zip for the FBI or really federal law enforcement. Because I think that when it comes to the use of that kind of force, the federal government is authorized to protect our borders and to uh, do what's necessary in foreign wars to protect our, the interests of the United States of America. To protect, I think, and I think we've gone way too far with that. To not to protect our corporate interests, but to protect the the, uh, the interests of the people of the United States as expressed through Congress. That's why we have <laughs> that's why we have rules about declaring war that we haven't followed since World War II. We haven't had a declared war since World War II. So um, all of these law enforcement agencies, to wrap up the point, that are doing work in our country uh, from the federal level, I don't trust them out of the gate. And if when I become governor, I they will know that. And I will use all of my powers as a executive over a sovereign state to make sure that if they mess around in Maine, they're going to be uh, having to deal with me. And if I don't like what I see, then I'm going to be deploying my law enforcement as the chief executive to deal with it. Okay. Now, I do have a question coming in from somebody from the Podbean, <clears throat> where we're currently broadcasting live. This is where we have um, live listeners as well as we can take in Collins. Uh, this person has posted, and if a new story came out tomorrow and it was up to you to make a speech to settle down all three of these organizations, Antifa, BLM, and Proud Boys, what would you say? Um, wow, that's a great question. Um, I think that, uh, so BLM, Antifa, and Proud Boys, uh, they all have, depending on how they're, they all have a right to free speech. And when it comes to uh, activities that involve violence, then they all have uh, a need to be reined in by the state government and the federal government to be dealt with as appropriate at the appropriate level. If you've got interstate issues with violence being organized, then it's a federal issue. If you've got in-state issues where they're, uh, where they're creating violence, they're, they're uh, yelling fire in a movie theater, to, to quote something, and in order to destroy the experience for everybody else, then, uh, then the government has an, uh, a responsibility, a duty, to uh, to intervene and, and deal with the pride proud boys or antifa or uh, blm they have the right to lie to the people of maine and the people are to the people and the people have a right to to uh, believe the lies and the government that's called free speech but when that becomes uh, uh collusion to create violence or tear down statues or burn down cities or or do any kind of violence either to an individual or to the society broadly then uh, the government has a duty to get involved. Okay. Now we. I do. I do. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. I do uh, get an echo right now. By the way, um, in regards to uh, crowds getting excessively violent, um, here within the next week, we're going to be hearing results from the um, Kyle Rittenhouse case. In regards to 
crowds getting violent, how would you respond to, say, a crisis or a assembly as such? Well, the Rittenhouse case, I, I would be, uh, of course, as governor of Maine, I, that's Wisconsin. Um, if I were president, if I were chief executive of the United States of America, I'd be very uh, tempted to do everything in my power to make sure that that military is deployed to make sure that when that verdict comes out, uh, the peace is is secured. Um, if it happened in Maine, if there was a Rittenhouse incident in Maine, then uh, I would be all over uh, protecting and defending that boy as the chief executive. And I would do that based on the facts. I don't think the facts come out because we have trials. I'm glad to see in the Rittenhouse case that it appears that the trial uh, does is is getting us to the bottom of some of some, getting us to some facts. I think it's hard to miss facts in the Rittenhouse case because there's so much video, and the prosecution has had to contend with that from the perspective of trying to uh, secure his innocence regardless of the facts. But that's been a characteristic of our courtrooms for a very long time, which needs to change. The prosecutors need to be on the side of justice, not on the side of uh, of prosecuting the, the opinion of the government, which is what they're doing in the Rittenhouse case. And uh, so, the, yeah, I, if it were in Maine and this trial was was being held here, I would be deploying uh, military within the state to keep the peace when the verdict came down. Okay. So one quick thing here. I understand that we got callers that want to come in. If you guys can buy me to the 35 to 40 minute marker, we'll start accepting in the Collins. Uh, on the basis of what you were just talking about, in the state of Maine, I believe we are a castle doctrine state. Um, I myself, I am a concealed carry. I do possess both the concealed weapon license carry. I believe that's better than the concealed web, uh, concealed carry that we currently have as a constitutional carry. I agree with it, but I don't agree with it. I much rather prefer to hold an actual license saying, Hey, you've been background checked, so forth. I do believe in that as that's just one of my beliefs. Um, right now, Maine is a castle doctrine state. Would you try to aim to make uh, Maine more and a Florida where it's a stay in your ground state, or would you keep it as a castle doctrine? Okay, so help me understand the distinction between castle doctrine and stand your ground real quick. All right, so castle doctrine is, so basically if I was in the need of defending myself right now, I had an, a perpetrator coming at me, but I had ways to escape. I could run to my left, I could flee to my left, I could flee to my right. I'm able to flee from the individual and try to get away. Even though they have a gun pointed at me, I still have to try to make a flee for it before I use deadly force. Now, if yeah. I have no absolute way to flee, then and only then will the state of Maine allow me to do deadly force. Uh, versus with a Florida, if there is an immediate threat, regardless whether or not if you can flee, if there is immediate threat on your life or th uh, life of others around you, you then can use deadly force. So under Castle Doctrine, if there's a threat to your wife or your kid or whatever, you're allowed to use deadly force, I would assume, under Castle Doctrine. Unless as long as you try to get away first, if there is no escapable uh, route. Okay. Well, I agree with the idea that uh, one should flee if they can and not kill, not use a uh, force that w could lead to the other person and uh, losing their life. Um, but it, boy, in any, uh, I would think, I've never been in, in a situation like this, thank God, but where there's firearms being pulled, pistol being pointed at me, 
um, the, the speed at which one would have to make these judgments, especially if your loved ones or, or any kind of innocence is nearby, uh, would, would cause me to want to uh, err in favor of the individual who is threatened and not in favor of the individual who's, who's pointing the gun. Um, so that's, that's, I guess, I guess I'd come down on a, in almost in a middle ground kind of thing, okay. uh, between, between the two. No worries. Now, Justin and I, uh, both had a conversation. This is one thing that actually touches more on mine versus Justin since he's kind of stopped doing this. But one of the things the state of Maine has done, um, number one, obviously before COVID hit, you remember seeing in the news about individuals being hospitalized due to what they said was vaping, which I don't really think it is at this point. Um, but because they're being put on ventilators and so forth to look where we're at now. Uh, with that being said, we are now telling people we're starting to ban all these vaping products, but yet we're not banning cigarettes. We're not banning alcohol. So what is the point? I mean, th this is not a personal question for me because I'll be honest with you. I've been six years without a cigarette. Yes. I picked one bad habit for another bad habit, but I can tell you that I breathe so much better. My health, my skin and everything's actually better. Even though it's vaping, it's still putting some in my lungs. I know it's bad for me. Anything you put in your freaking lungs is bad. I don't care who you are. If you're putting it in your lungs, it's bad. If you're putting this in your liver, it's bad. I love it. It tastes good. I know it's bad, right? So as a governor, are you going to force people and tell them what they can and can't put in their body? No. Very simple question there. And uh, I headed the Christian Civic League of Maine. If anybody does any uh, Googling on it, you'll find out that it was created in 1897 uh, because of the way that America decided to confront alcoholism. And we, we all, most of us know the word prohibition, the prohibition movement, which started in, of course. in Portland among, among the Quakers and then uh, lasted as a political issue and cultural issue uh, for nearly a century and was finally settled with a, a, a ratchet in the federal constitution. When I say a ratchet, I mean, we created an amendment. Uh, I think it was the I don't know what number it was, but anyway, we created an amendment and we prohibited all, we prohibited at the federal level, all sale, distribution and consumption of alcohol. And then that amendment may be the only one that's ever been repealed. I'm not sure of that, but uh, it was repealed. And since then, the whole alcohol issue has kind of settled itself out. It's, it's settled. It's kind of settled down. And, uh, and uh, I, I don't, I don't see, even if I wanted to prohibit vaping or some other thing because I read the Bible in a particular way. I don't think that I could do it because of, of where the American people have uh, come to in their understanding of uh, everybody's bodily autonomy, and, and which is what makes so much that's happened in the past two years so odd to me because we are on the one hand, when it comes to drugs or vaping or whatever it is, there does seem to be a, a marijuana. There does seem to be a consensus that um, if it's if it's if it's not real, 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 real obvious that it's going to kill you tomorrow, then uh, you know, stay out of it. Let it, let people make their choices. That's kind of the consensus. But at the same time, <laughs> look at what we're doing with this with this response to the, the issue that we can't name otherwise, otherwise <laughs> we, we get banned they, on social media. <laughs> now, now <laughs> I've got another question actually came from the, uh, the panel over here. This one, this is one thing I can agree with during governor Paula pages, um, 
when he was governor. And I want to see what your thoughts are as well, because Jana Mills did kill it is should people, this is on the welfare status, should people who's on welfare that receives um, food stamps, TANF and so forth, should they have to work for their money? Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Everybody should have to work. And uh, the last person I would listen to uh, help me understand whether a person uh, is capable of working or not is a social worker. Uh, because that whole uh, that thing has become an industry. They're not interested in, in really helping people. It's an industry and, and they, they exist. That industry exists to protect uh, the pay, paychecks in the interests of social workers. And uh, so I wouldn't listen to them, to, to their conclusions. No, people have to work for their own dignity, even if they're, I, I would work as governor to make sure that even uh, people who are uh, in wheelchairs or handicapped or somehow who we would think can't work did have an opportunity to do uh, if they work wanted that, to have the opportunity, to, they'd be able to. to yeah, to to do the to do the kind of work that 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 they value. Work is it's not an option for us as people as humans. It's work is gives us dignity. We don't work be, just because we have to work. It's one. I mean, it's one of the reasons we do it. But but we do it because it gives it it it, it nourishes our souls. Right. And uh, the the problem this whole handout mentality. Of course, you know if you've studied at all what's going on in the last couple of years. That the ultimate goal here is a dependency, um, uh, uh, where they deposit money into your bank account, regardless of whether you work or not, and that's just that's healthy people are are going to get that. I forget the name that they call that. So the agenda, the goal here is is very clear, uh, and that is that we would detach uh, work from money. So money would come to us because the government tells us we're going to get it a certain amount of money every day or week or month, and uh, work is something else. Well, what is work? I guess under that scenario, work is something that nobody wa wants to do and that nobody will have to do. Which right. that does that make any sense? How yeah. how's, how's society work? How's society? How do we keep the roads? How do we get anything done that people generally for micro right? How are we going to get the dirty jobs done if that's the kind of culture and society where we think we can build right. and and cause to be uh, and cause to work? Right. I, now, I do have a quick question. Um, in the previous topic, you had talked about uh, bodily uh, autonomy. What is your stance on abortion? I'm pro-life. I think that life begins at conception. I think the problem of abortion is not a problem uh, with the baby or the uh, or the the mother or the father in this in the sense that we should be. Uh, considering whether to end the pregnancy or kill the baby, pick your poison as far as rhetoric goes. The problem is with sex. If people are concerned about pregnancy, then they need, they need to deal with the issue prior to conception. And Now, would uh, you, that's, that's would you be able to allocate uh, state funding toward, um, say, conception uh, uh, or anti-conception? kind of say condoms or birth control things as such kind of what we yeah, forgot but, about in schools yeah. where we had sex education i, I don't even know yeah. if, uh, hold on actually i got a teenager here zachary did you have sex education in high school you had it in middle school what would oh I, I just want to pull my son i'm sorry this is actually a good question since i got a teenager here in the state of maine zachary come here pull up a microphone real quick <laughs> one second <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna get this um over here zachary Pull up, grab a microphone. I need to ask you this question. Go ahead. 
Hold on, so you can hear yourself here. I'm sorry, guys. This is a, this is a great way to have a conversation. Slap on those headsets. I'm gonna slap my son in here. All right, so your microphone's right here. I'm gonna unmute you. You can hear me, right? Sorry. So you had sex education in middle school. So, uh, all right. And um, what did they teach you in sex education? Let's see if there's a problem within sex education right now. And there isn't. What did they teach you? You gotta join up to the mic a little bit better here. You can't, can't remember that? It's been too long. How's it been too long? I think it's like second year of middle schools when I learned it. Okay, so when I was in high school, they taught us to put a condom on a banana. Did they teach you guys that? Did they teach you? Did you te- did they teach you body anatomy or yes, did they do they teach you like birth conception and stuff like that? Yes. You, you're not helping me, child. All right, get out of here. Bye. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys i tried but i guess middle school is too far away for a senior in high school all right <laughs> so so the original question is uh would you allocate uh funding toward um state uh contraceptives such as uh you know less geared toward abstinence and more towards safe sex um, no, I wouldn't. And I think what just happened is a perfect illustration of why I wouldn't, because going back to the original question of the podcast, uh, there are th- some things, there are some aspects of our existence as humans where the government can be helpful and there's others where it, it can't be helpful. And in this particular case, the issue of sex has proven that it not only can it not be helpful, but uh, the government has weaponized sex. The, the, the man best able to help Zachary in this conversation. Thank God that Zachary was a little bit, you know, I don't know, uncomfortable with the, <laughs> with the overall subject, shall we say, means that Zachary is a fairly normal, uh, he's a normal teenage boy, right? It's, it's sex is that way. It's just, it's, na- it's natural. And so who has the duty to uh, take care of making sure Zachary keeps it zipped up until he's ready to take responsibility for the fruit of what doesn't get zipped at certain times, if you know what I mean, so we don't get sh- thrown off sh- uh, fake book. Um, he, so uh, Mark is dad. It's his duty. It's his responsibility to make sure that Zach keeps it zipped until he's ready to assume responsibility for what he does with it. And that's so the institution best equipped to wrap up my uh, my answer to your question is the home and the person best equipped to educate Zach and Jane, daughter Jane, if I'm not saying Mark has a daughter named Jane, but the daughter, um, is is, uh, Mark. It's the dad. The dad is the one who's best equipped to bring these rules into bear and to uh, create accountability at puberty. See, this one, now I, I probably should stop, but uh, this is one of the problems with American society. Um, we don't uh, we don't allow our children to grow up fast enough. So puberty hits 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. What does that mean? Well, that means that the biological clock is already ticking when it comes to sex and when it comes to the desire to unzip for the guy and the and the girl and the girl. So what do we do? Well, we've created a moral climate where we say, well, don't do it until you're uh, 40. I mean, <laughs> we keep moving, right? It used to be 18, but now everybody lives in their basement until they're 30 and nobody gets married if they get married at all until they're 40 practically. 
So it's insane what we've done, but it's been done to us. It's been, it's, it's not, it hasn't just happened. It's been done to us. It's, it's, this is political. What's happening. The sexual revolution is a political weapon. So I'm not sure if I'm it, understanding this individual who's responding to you, I believe through our discord channel. This is another place we're podcasting live. We podcast live from multiple channels. Sorry nice. to interrupt you there, but he says, um, uh, isn't that Obergefield 1962? The legalizes, uh, legalizing or contraception made free sex no responsible possible? Well, Obergefell was, I think, Obergefell, and Obergefell's a Supreme Court decision. And that was the Supreme Court decision that that eliminated civil marriage in all 50 states, even though uh, 37 states had passed constitutional amendments defining marriages between one man and one woman. Obergefell said, uh, the heck with you, you 37 states that have amended your constitution to say this is what marriage is. And they overturned the whole thing uh, all over the country. That was a burger phone. Okay. Now, he, another, another, uh, comment we have here and they have their name spelled really weird, but I'm just going to say froggy for the <laughs> sake of it. Um, the question is, do you plan on an outlaw, uh, outlaw abortion? If you feel the government shouldn't be involved in the conversation of sex, that should also apply to what happens after sex. I, I believe life, uh, life being conception. So I would, I would support any law or policy at the state or federal government level. That's going to, uh, treat what's conceived in the womb as a human being and provide, uh, the legal protections that we all expect to be provided to, uh, human beings, especially ones as vulnerable as, 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 as a conceived human being. And we could argue when it becomes a human heartbeat, whatever it is. My point is conception. I think heartbeat is just a few number of weeks down the road from there. And there's a consensus forming now that uh, it should be the heartbeat uh, that determines when human life begins. I prefer conception. Kind of like the governor of Texas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I prefer conception because it helps us as a culture in uh, a nation to fo focus on the real issue which is the which is the um, ir which is irresponsible sexual activity between a male and a female. So now I've had my own opinions on abortion that I won't get into right now, um, but I will say this. So obviously, abortion, when you look at certain aspects of it, there are my opinions, and we'll see what your thoughts process are on this as well. There are extensions to the rules, such as if the mother is going to die to give birth to the said child, or Another one is, what if the mother was raped against her will, and, and now we got a child from the mother being raped? Right, less than less than like a tenth of a tenth of one percent or something, you know, is rape or or, or uh, endangerment of the mother. Um, so it's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not. Uh, my personal position would be that we uh, outlaw it in all cases, rape and including rape and life of the mom. But, uh, I think we can, we should deal with the abortion issue apart from those two issues, because the fact of the matter is they account for so few of, uh, so few abortions. Right. So the question, now, so, whoops, would you leave it to the state to make that decision? You as a governor, obviously where you're saying you're trying to free up the government, would you allow it to be to the state people, the state of Maine people to make a vote on it? 
Oh, you mean uh, would I? As far as any out, abortion, would laws I want to put it out? Would I want to put it out to referendum? Right for any abortion laws and stuff like that, would you have the main people vote on it without any enacting any other type of law forcing it on upon forcing upon main people? Maybe, but I would definitely, as chief executive, not think not. I, I don't even think it's in the power of the governor to just ban abortion. If it were to happen, it would have to happen through the legislature. Now, whether the uh, whether it should go to a to to a majority vote of the people in a referendum, I I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. So, what's uh, Justin? We're gonna drop off this. Subject. We kind of hit that subject pretty hard. Um, no problem. Uh, I did have one question, in which I've been kind of holding on to. Uh, it kind of goes back into an earlier topic. I heard you mentioned something about uh, Maine's constitution and obviously the U.S. constitution. Which one would you place first and why? Uh, the Maine constitution because the, uh, the United States of America is a confederation of states and the states are sovereign under their constitution. That's why they have constitutions. Otherwise, why have one? Um, so, yeah, Maine constitution would be first. Okay, and here's a good one that um, I have a question from in regards to um, death. Should a person have the right to die? What can be done to curb teen suicides? And should physician-assisted suicide be legal? I, I think, no, I think for, addressing the physician-assisted suicide issue, no, I don't think that, uh, I think physicians have to follow the, um, uh, that, the uh, Hippocratic Oath, do no harm and uh, killing people is doing harm by definition. So I don't think that, I don't support physician-assisted suicide. I don't support any kind of suicide. Um, I, uh, suicide is, uh, is a deeply immoral act and the state should do everything in its power to uh, make sure that a person doesn't kill themselves. Right, so suicide's and, a big issue on mine and Justin's office, prior military. So you're thinking of the 22, 22 veterans die each day from suicide. Mm -hmm. whether suffering from severe PTSD and so forth. With that being said, uh, hold on one second. Money Trucker, I will get to your question here in a second. Um, Parent-child relations, state versus fed. I'll get to that in just a second. I want to touch bases on veterans here in the state of Maine. What mm -hmm. would you, as a governor, do to help with the homelessness, with the homelessness problem that we have, number one, with veterans, and number two, with just homelessness in general? Well, the government obviously has a unique responsibility in the direction of uh, veterans because veterans sign up to kill people or be killed because the government asks them to do it. And they, they do that with full knowledge of what they're doing. And, uh, and, the, and the government has a duty to care to, I don't want to say care for them, but has a, du has a duty to uh, uh, provide for them in ways that the society decides is appropriate uh, for the rest of their lives, as far as I'm concerned. And now, if they're serving in the uh, national military, the federal military, then it seems to me obvious that the national government would uh, have more of the responsibility there, but that doesn't mean the state doesn't have, uh, the state is the front line, and this person has signed up to serve the United States of America, Maine is part of the United States of America, so. Maine government should be involved. To what extent? What should they do specifically to help veterans? I think homelessness. If they if they uh, are living on the street and they don't want to be living on the street, or if their uh, mental condition is such that they're living on the street when they really need 
to not live on the street. I think the state has an obligation to to help. Okay. Um, with everything going on, uh, PTSD mostly caused because our military is lied to and used by the uh, corpto crazy, for what someone just said. Uh, I'm going to ask this one more, and then what we're going to do is I'm just going to do a quick brief uh, explaining what's going to happen in this next segment because we are right now 47 minutes into the show. Um, so someone did say parent-child relations, state versus fed. I'm not sure if I'm really understanding that. Maybe you kind of catch what they're asking. Okay, so I think they're asking the parent-child relationship from the state or federal get involved. Uh, my gut reaction would be absolutely not. They should they shouldn't get involved except in extreme circumstances. The parent-child relationship is is practically a, a holy thing, or it should be. Um, and this, the government should be extremely careful about any kind of uh, intervention there. I think the state has weaponized this uh, whole area of uh, of our lives and used it to create an industry, the human services industry. And it's been pumped full of bad ideas from psychology and psychiatry. And and it's more a weapon than it is a help now. The, the, what's being done by the state whenever something erupts within the family. Another big problem uh, here is feminism. The, uh, dis the empowerment of women under feminism has created issue, ton, uh, countless issues between men and women, husbands and wives that uh, shouldn't even exist and wouldn't exist if we hadn't, the government hadn't put it so clearly on the side of empowering women against men, against men. Okay, so and that's, and that, and that has been done. That is, that's happened. That's the family courts are all. Designed now, <clears throat> I think, I think I might disagree with you on that one. As far as, uh, there being a constant battle between men and women, uh, due to feminism, I think that it's mainly a lack of, um, how do you say communication and uh, understanding um, as say, you know, a woman, a wants to, you know, get higher funds or higher wages um, than, you know, man, a, then, you know, they would both probably approach the uh, boss of their, you know, establishment instead of just kind of going, back and forth with each other. Oh, you earn more than me or, you know, this, that, and the other saying, you know, one sex is better than the other or whatever. I backed out, Justin. Uh, I kind of <laughs> hit the wrong button. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think I understand your point. You, you were bringing up the point about a quality of pay. I think, is that right? Uh, to some degree, uh, to some, there's an echo. All right. So yeah, the echo is probably going to come back for momentarily. All right. So what okay. we're going to do is, so we're at 51 minutes into the show. I am going to do my shameless plug here for Patreon. We're going to take a quick five. When we come back from not even really five, it's like maybe a minute and 30 minute, 45 seconds. When we come back from the show, we're going to start taking in callers to the show. Uh, money. Money Trucker, if you would like to ask any questions, feel free to try requesting to get into the show through 
Discord. I will try to learn it. Otherwise, if you are on Podbean, feel free to click in the call-in button here. And once I get back, I'll start accepting in the call-ins. Uh, for you, <laughs> Mr. Heath, this is when things get interesting, when I allow my callers to come in. I don't know what my callers are going to ask. I don't know what's going to come out of their mouths. Uh, so this is when the show gets interesting. No, <laughs> this is definitely the platform in which free speech is uh, exhibited. <laughs> I for, yeah, I look forward to the give and take. So um, how long does the show go? Uh, we typically go for about a good hour, 15, hour, 20. If you got to take off, though, just at some point, let us know. Um, and no, that works. That, okay. that works for me. I might I might go at 10. I'm a, I do landscaping. So tomorrow we're starting the, the leaf blow drying, the blow drying process. Gotcha. No, no worries. I got like to start early in the morning. So. No worries. It's just when I go grab a quick puff, I play a little lap. Uh, little commercial here to try to get in a little moolah for the show <laughs> and then we uh, yeah. we continue going forward so let me get that commercial going and i will be right back what is going on no filter radio nation hey it's your host here marchy i got some exciting news for you if you head over right now to nofilterradio.net and click on the patreon link here's how you can support the podcast that's right five dollars off of patreon we'll go ahead and Patreon. Patreon. Oh, I'm sorry. Patreon. For $5 a month on Patreon, we'll give you a shout out on one episode each month with your name or help. Even a podcast if you run your own podcast. And if you got a business and website you want to get promoted, go to the next level up and $10 a month will get your business website or whatnot right on the show once a month. Or oh, fuck it. If you just want yourself some no-filter radio swagger, then that $20 a month will get you some swag every quarter. That's right, t-shirt, mini print, poster, and stickers. These are all the ways that you can support us. And if you don't want to do Patreon, we understand. You can also click on the Buy Me a Beer link and donate whatever you choose. And that is it, folks. We're done here. I'm not going to fucking sell you all this shit. If you want to support us, support us. If not, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the fucking show, because we're taking you on a ride regardless. See you soon. I'm out of here. All right, we're back after my little shameless plug to try to make some moolah to keep this podcast up and going. I understand Mr. Michael Heath there is a man of religion, and by listening to some of the vocals that come out of my mouth, the profanity probably drives him a little nuts. With that being said, folks, let me tell you everything about this show. Number one, between our views and Mr. Michael Heath's views, like I said in the beginning, they're different. He has different views and a lot of aspects of life, so don't we. Um, but that is our choice. That is what we're, that's our God-given right. We're allowed to have different opinions than everybody else. If we weren't, that would not make us human. With that being said, it is time to accept in these phone calls. So if you'd like to call in and ask Mr. Michael Heath any questions, feel free to hit that call in button right now on Patreon. I'm sorry, Podbean. And uh, we will get your call in. And if you believe, let me get this out here now. If you believe your question is going to get me booted off of Facebook or Twitter, let me know now or before you ask your question, so I can kill the live feed on Facebook and Twitter so we don't get banned because I actually have some plans for No Filter Radio in the future for live videos that I have yet to even break it to Justin about. Um, that being said, I thought we had somebody 
uh, Megan who wanted to call in, or did she already get all of her questions asked? Uh, that part, I'm not sure. I'm trying to get her in the show, but um, she's worried about you know ending okay. up on uh, censored, if for gotcha. lack of better words. All right. Well, again, I, I mean, I've got this list of questions here, anyways. Uh, okay. Hey, uh, here's Mark, a fun can one. I jump in and address your point about language? Words. Oh, go for it. Yeah. So I think one of the problems in America is that uh, Christianity has earned a reputation for being prudish, and uh, I'm not a prude. Um, I, I I liked your uh, provocative advertisement, and uh, one of the problems that the millennials are solving for our culture is the right use of language. I mean, there's a time for expletives. Now, I, I just, I, for the last three months, I've worked in the landscaping business. And uh, with the men who I work with, uh, I'm, uh, I have to admit to scratching my head sometimes when the F word is used <laughs> in certain contexts because I'm like, well, how, well, how's it, how does it fit there? I mean, um, so, but that being said, one of the reasons Donald Trump, uh, galvanize so many people and gain so much political power, say what you will about him, is that he wore the suit and tie. He's, he was entertainer enough to be shrewd in the use of insults. And, uh, and he got, he captured especially the attention of men. He got the are, job done. Who, uh, men who are, who look at the use of the F word or whatever, you know, salty language as a kind of marker for, uh, being genuine Here, for, speak, for, for speaking your mind. Not you even like, going to lie. I use the F-bomb way more often than I say I love you. So I'm going to take a <laughs> chance of censorship real quick just because Mr. Michael Heath will be leaving here soon. He is yet, He's never listened to our podcast, so I'm going to play my favorite audio, and we'll see if it hopefully does not get me banned on <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, but we're going to try it out real quick. That, I, that was a clip that was um, from a bunch of people chanting in the uh, a mall. Not the main mall. It was a different mall. I can't remember what state it was. And I just stole that clip. I was like, oh, I got to have that clip for a sound sound clip for my, my show. So yeah. that, that was one of my favorite ones. Um, I, I guess I'd prefer Let's Go Brandon. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I mean, so this is an interesting question. I don't know why it's brought up, but it's being asked. So I'm going to bring it up. I'm, I don't think this will fall on the lines of being censored uh, by Facebook and Twitter. So we're going to ask it. Genetic engineering is the title and it says, should human cloning be permitted? No, absolutely not. It's, it's the whole, I don't, I don't support any part of the transhumanist agenda. I am not one of uh, Kurzweil's singularity guys. Google picked him up a bunch of years ago and focused him on bringing us to the singular, what he calls the singularity by the 2030, 40, whatever, just not too far down the road. And I am not a supporter of any part of that. No, no part of that whatsoever. Okay. I ain't going to embed anything digital in my head. Uh, and I, I, that doesn't mean that I don't think technology is getting, has gotten to a point and will get to a point where it can be uh, integrated into the body in a moral and healthful way. But I can tell you, any kind of uh, cloning or uh, monkeying with the DNA or uh, merging the internet with our anything cognitive, 
I ain't going to be any part of any of that. Okay. Uh, the next one I'm going to ask, and then I guess we do have a question from a listener here. Um, this one is back onto the drug category. Um, I, I know my thought process on that and I'll actually kind of go into it as well, but is it time to try legalization? Should marijuana from, uh, medicinal use be permitted, which it is here in the state of Maine, uh, should all current prescription drugs become over the counter? Interesting question. I think so. And I'll tell you why I think that right now, because I went to tractor supply today to get some ivermectin. And uh, of course, the tractor supply, you don't buy the form of ivermectin, which is manufactured for human use. Um, you have to buy the horse paste. And when you go to the when I, when I went to this place in Ellsworth, there it was there were signs. The Joe Rogan were, cocktail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that warned me that I would die if I took it, which I know is is not true. But the point the government is. It, with respect to prescription medication and pharmace anything pharmaceutical companies and it's off the rails insane now it's it's i don't it's to the point where i have a hard time believing anything coming out of the cdc or any government agency that uh, claims to want to uh, help me with my health i'm i'm a, a cynical uh, i'm questioning i'm i'm even becoming paranoid if the government is making any kind of declaration right. related to my so in health. other words the government shouldn't get involved with your health is what you're saying and number mm -hmm. two if you make a suggestion to a doctor they should alternately listen to their patient and also come up with a good conclusion between doctor patient versus doctor patient government oh absolutely it's you know the difference with uh, abortion is i believe in the question or uh, uh i i think that right the doctor and the patient should with that uh, particular conversation and the power dynamics there uh, are important. And except when you're like dealing with whether you're going to kill yourself or not, and whether you want to get enough pills to kill yourself, commit suicide, then I, that's a different situation. It's life or death. I think the government has a special duty there the same way with abortion. Okay. Now, now I believe Justin's got a question coming in from a listener. Yeah. So one of the listeners and I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, it says, I want to know if he has an issue with women who are with women having an opinion in general, or if it is just having a difference of opinion. Also, how does he feel that the domestic violence rate is insane in Maine? 49% of women have experienced sexual assault, 21,000 calls to the domestic violence hotlines in 2020. Also, what is his opinion on gay marriage or rights? And um, she's done research uh, saying that he's been openly and vehemently. Sorry, I can't uh, pronunciate. He's been openly against it. Against so basically, it's a three-part question. <laughs> okay. Um, the Start first part, part had to do with whether women should be allowed to have opinions. Right. Uh, uh, I, I didn't understand the distinction she was trying to make between women having a. Of course, uh, I, I think it's in regards to uh, like abortion or, um, you know, uh, uh, due to the feminist statement. It, she corrected that one. So it's basically is it to the point of should a woman have the rights to her body? Is that what you're saying? Right. Just like the man's opinions about it. Just like the man should have a right to the to to the disposition of 
the uh, baby that he conceived. Um, so she can have an opinion uh, and, and that's fine, but we're not talking about her body. We're talking about once that uh, sperm unites with that egg, we're talking about a different person in every way, a different person. So we're not talking about just her, we're talking about the, the man who impregnated her. We're talking about her and we're talking about the baby. And I, I come down on the side of the baby because that's the one that has no voice at all. So I care about his opinion or her opinion the most. And I think that's where the government should be as well. And that's, I think that's where all of us should be. Now, the second part of her question had to do with homosexuality, I think, gay rights. Um, uh, the second part was, how does he feel that the domestic violence rate is insane in Maine? 49% of women have experienced SH or sexual harassment. 21,000 calls to the domestic violence hotlines in 2020. Right. Well, the first, the first, uh, my first concern is that mm -hmm. our culture is so uh, feminized and, and so empowered. And when I say our culture, I mean the United States of America and indeed all of the West, Western civilization, has so empowered the feminine, the feminine virtues, the everything feminine that uh, males are frustrated and uh, not just sexually. They're frustrated in every way because it's a, it's a civilizational problem. We've got it so unbalanced and we've got it so wrong. So it doesn't surprise me that we've got this uh, number of calls into the domestic violence hotlines. And I, in saying this, I'm not saying that I think men should beat women. So you're saying but you a lot, would condemn. But a lot of, but a lot of times, but a lot of times, we're not talking about physical abuse. In fact, in most cases, we're talking about they claim the women claim emotional abuse. And that's a whole different animal than a guy beating on a woman physically. And does that mean I support emotional abuse by males, by men, by husbands? Oh, of course not. I don't support that. But I think that we have gone so far down this feminist rabbit hole that it's going to take probably generations, if not decades, to write the ship. And then I, the third part had to do with the uh, so-called gay issue, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, the question was, what is his opinion on gay marriage or rights as he has been openly against it? Yeah, there's no such thing as gay marriage. There's no such thing as a gay homosexual. I mean, they stole the word gay. Gay used to mean happy, and it had no sexual attachment whatsoever. They stole it for political and propaganda reasons. And they weaponized it. And so no, there is no such a thing as gay marriage. There's only marriage, and marriage is between a man and a woman. If two men want to come together uh, and whatever, do whatever, that still doesn't mean that, a, that the transportation secretary can breastfeed his baby. I mean, we got nature to deal with here, everybody. Okay. I mean, I guess, like I said, this is every, uh, once again, to my listeners, this is everybody's opinions. I'm, I will come out and I've said it between multiple podcasts. I myself do have a, uh, a brother who is Mike, Michael will say is stolen, but I say, I do have a brother who is gay, but let me tell you, he's the biggest Trump supporter you will ever meet. He is a hardcore Republican. Um, he dies for the values of our country and wants to see our country. But I'm not going to go too much further into this process because now we're into Facebook, Twitter. We're riding on that slim line right now of getting into the ban land of talking about things. Um, 
with that being yep. said, with that being said, I don't want to take the band because I do want to. I've got more futures uh, as far as no. Mark, can goes. I can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Uh, and, and your audience, is it even possible on that issue anymore to have uh, a free and fair and honest discussion that doesn't immediately uh, imply that someone who thinks the way I do about sex is? Uh, evil because he's judging the individual in other words my question is my point is can we is it even possible anymore to discuss sex particularly homosexuality and now transgenderism um in political and religious terms instead of only personal terms i mean i've had friends all along the way too right um but it, it, i don't think it's possible anymore because of the censorship and because of the weaponization of sex by politicians. I don't think it's even possible anymore for us to reason together uh, on, on sexual issues. It's been so weaponized that all it does is divide us. And the divisions always come by a quick uh, uh, appeal uh, to personal relationships, people we know. Well, that's just one aspect of the debate. That's just one part of uh, of the issue. So, right. uh, and I, that's been my experience on that issue. That issue is the one that goes quickest to, I know someone or someone who's a relative, right. whatever. Uh, right. No, know. I can, I can answer that in one second. Let me allow this color in. Stinky dad. Welcome into the show. Give me one second here before you speak. Um, so yeah, it always goes back to, I got this. I understand. So censorship, we have lost the ability here in America, regardless to have an open conversation regards to anything. I don't care what the topic is. Mm. It has gone to the point where we can't discuss too much without worrying. Number one, about being censored. Number two, without worrying about cancel culture coming at us. Right. Number three, worrying about someone's falling, filing a lawsuit against us because we're saying the wrong thing. We as Americans have come to the conclusion that we're scared to say a lot of things to come out because <laughs> we are afraid of, the outlash that could come back at us. I do agree with you on that aspect. And I do agree with everyone's allowed to have their own opinions. Everyone's allowed to have their own thoughts, mind process, their own religious beliefs. That is the great American way. It's even other countries. Granted, there are some countries that don't allow it. We're seeing that now happen in Afghanistan, Iraq. Now that ISIS is taken back and over and they're now controlling women. It's ridiculous out there. So we're seeing, we're seeing what it is not to be free over there, right? People in America, are still seeing what it's like to be free, but we're watching our freedom being stripped away from us. We are truly see, watching our freedom being stripped away from us. So I agree with that aspect. And like I've told my listeners before, I may not agree with you on every aspect. Up until now, we had a pretty good conversation on a lot of subjects, and a lot of subjects came out pretty good. Um, I will tell you from the get-go, I'm not sure if you watch my Facebook page, I openly said on my Facebook page that I am a Paula Page supporter, but... I'm open to allow a conversation with anybody. I've even invited the liberals, the biggest liberal I could know to come on my show because I'm open to discussion and talk about everything. I don't hate anybody. And I guess, Michael, this is where I'm going to end it as far as you go, because I know you got to go back to my conversation that I had with an individual last night at one of my client's locations is we've come to a part in our society where we argue with everybody. On both sides, I don't care if you're left or you're on the right, we're arguing with everybody and we all have forgotten the common sense that we're all human. If I was to cut my wrist right now, it would bleed red. If you were to cut your wrist, it would bleed red. That's right. If Biden would cut his wrist, it would bleed red. 
I don't care who you are. We're all human, no matter what. And we need to come together and unite again as a nation, unite again as one versus agree more. versus where we're at now. Everybody's yeah. at to the point where the right is calling the left sheeple because, hey, they want to get, well, you know, this, and they're being called sheeple. Listen, if that's what they want, that's what they make that, that's what makes them feel safe, great. So let it be it. It's their choice, right? If we don't want to get this, it's our choice and it's our opinions, our thought. But yet, if we don't want to get this, we're being wished death upon us. People are saying, oh, you don't want to get, I hope you die. I hope someone coughs in your face and you die of a slow, painful death. I hope you don't get life insurance, okay? We don't, the left, the right don't like them. Oh man, you're going to die within three years. Oh, you, you, you sheeple. You're no, we need to unite as one regardless. I don't care who comes on my show. I treat everyone as an individual, as a human, as an American that comes on my show, even non-American. I'm hoping to go across the globe and, you know, interview people across the globe. That is my future vision of the show. I'm not going to look at anybody different. We're going to have a conversation as humans. We disagree. Great. That makes for a great debate. That makes for a great show. And that's where I stand on that. We came on the show. I'll be honest with you, Mr. Heath. We came on the show and I did my research on you. I watched a previous podcast with you with an individual who did a podcast. I can't remember the name of the platform that he did it on, but I listened to that podcast actually last night. So it was fresh in my head of the conversation you have with this individual. I looked on your website. I saw the post that he sent me. I said, okay, I see where him and I are going to clash a little bit, but I don't want it to be this full-blown argument. I don't want to come at you like an enemy combatant. I want to hear your point of views. And to be honest, I agreed with quite a bit of stuff you said. Yep. There's some stuff that I don't agree with what you said, but that's fine. But yep. now your voice is out there. You're on this platform. Other people who, who watch our show are now able to listen to your platform and understand where you're coming from and know where your stances are and things. So when it does come time for the election, they can base it on that. Yeah. I will agree yeah. with you. I don't agree with Mills. I, I, I wish we'd be thrown out of office now, but it is what it yeah. is. Yep. Um, Mark, we're going to win this yes, thing because, because the, uh, global communists and communism in general uh, mm -hmm. has turned to censorship in the United States of America. Two years ago, they did that. And they, it's inarguable now. They are willing to censor our speech in order to achieve their political goals. And uh, they're going to lose. They all, those, 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 when those forces congeal and start to push back against our humanity, they always lose. Um, my concern is how much damage are they going to do in the process because they're back, they are backed into a corner. The left wing of the West, Western civilization, Europe and America is backed into a corner now. Uh, and they're, they're two years into it and I don't know how they're going to dig themselves out of it, but they're going to have to do that at some point because I don't see humanity bowing to this, uh, uh this uh, new reset, the great reset, all that stuff. Now I'm, I got to stop because right, we're headed into Facebook. Well, we're we're heading into, uh, I mean, like I, I, I stated this on numerous shows and this is where I'm going to end it with you, Mr. Heath, so I can let you go. Maybe you'll agree. The last time I saw America United, unfortunately happened on a somber event, mm -hmm. September 11, 2001. It's right. the last time in America United. It was 24 to 48 hours after that day when all Americans stood outside of their homes with candles lit and they were singing songs such as God bless America. 
they were paying attention to their neighbors or helping out their neighbors at that point because at that time they realized that America could be touched and we united. We all came together for one purpose, one purpose only is to protect American, American soil. We need to come back to that time. And I hope to God and I pray to God that it doesn't take another event like that to happen. But only time will tell when will America unite again is my question. Well, what's fortunate, Mark, uh, is that you're right. The American people for a few weeks after 9-11 did unite at the, the level of the soul. We united almost in a religious way in response to that uh, attack. And, but then Americans didn't shut their brains off. They watched the metal det- detectors go up in the airports. They experienced the injustices of the uh, TSA. They watched the, the national government uh, uh, create its uh, global surveillance uh, uh, agencies, the NSA, et cetera and Snowden came along and everything. And people have not been asleep for all of that. They watched how 9-11 was weaponized by the authoritarians, and, they've na- and they're now experiencing the full-on attack of global communism and totalitarianism. And they're awake, and that's why we're being censored on, fa- on Facebook, is because we are awake. And they're scared. They are scared. That's why they're doing this. And we're going to win. Now, before you uh, head out, do you have any social media so that our followers can follow your campaign? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, probably the best way is Michael Heath. I haven't had time to roll out or money to roll out Heath for Governor pages up there. Uh, but I have so, the best- uh, Michael Heath on Twitter? Yeah, Michael Heath everywhere. It looks like um, on okay. his name is HeathforGovernor.com for his website. Yeah, yeah, the best place is HeathforGovernor.com. That's I've been posting for your pretty regularly there, and uh, of course, if you Google my name and you spend more than ten minutes, you're going to find stuff going back forty years. Right, right. All right. Well, hey, it was great uh, meeting you and being able to hear your stance on everything. Um, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks, Justin. I'm going to go ahead and mute my mic for right now. I got to take care of something. No, I appreciate it, Mike. Once again, Michael, I once again, I do appreciate you coming on the show. It was definitely a great interview. Um, Maybe we can hear in the future as we get closer to the election, we see how everything can go. We can have another discussion further down the road. Anytime. I'm going to share this thing everywhere. Excellent, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. One second here. Um... All right. Uh, I'm going to kill the Facebook folks. Hold on. Let me uh, get this out for people that are on Facebook who are on Twitter at this point is a commentary regards to this podcast. And it could, for the sakes of being banned on Facebook, banned on Twitter, everything is now going on Discord and Podbean. If you don't have Podbean, download Podbean now in the Apple Store, Google App Store, so forth. And go ahead and listen to us on Podbean. I actually posted a link to Podbean. In, I believe it's actually in the description of this live feed, if I'm not mistaken, as well as the Discord link if you want to uh, join in and listen to this. So once again, <laughs> my wife just goes, boom, sorry. At this point, I don't want to get banned from Facebook. So we're leaving Facebook. We're leaving Twitter. We're going to Podbean now to continue our show. Thank you all for listening on Facebook and Twitter. God bless. Stay safe out there and join us for the, non, the uh, non-filtered uh, show that's about to happen. 
talk to y'all later and hold on one second please we're gonna kill this one and uh how do i end the live feed on that one second i'm just trying to figure this out you guys i think i click on the remove a post was created on facebook for this event delete it no delete it all right i don't think it deleted i hope it did not delete that's gonna piss me off if it deleted stand by remove all right and we're just gonna stick with the record only save changes all right what's going on poppy hold on fuck joe biden fuck joe biden all right so this guy hold on this motherfucker hold on one second just can somebody verify we're off facebook can anybody verify right now we're off Facebook before? Hang we on, go- I'll go check. I'll I'm go check. Seeing, I'm still seeing a Facebook icon. My wife just posted a chicken picture. When my wife listens to this, I love you, man. Don't give me a chicken shit. I know I'm a chicken shit. I don't want to get banned for 30 days. It sucks being in Facebook jail. It really does. It sucks. It makes me No, cry. you are not live on Facebook right now. All right, let's go. So I will admit. You're there was quite a bit of that conversation was pretty decent. And then we got to a deep, dark hole. I was like, wait a minute, but I don't agree with you. But Stinky Dad, what was you going to say? I said, you outsmarted me. You let me in the call, but didn't let me talk. I was going to call him an idiot on behalf of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really do want to get Megan in here because she is fucking fuming. And I don't blame her. This dude's a f- he, he's not going to win. This no, is he's not going to his. His campaign ended as soon as he got in here. No, no, he's definitely not going to win. Like I said, there was a couple of things I was like, okay, yes, I agree with you. On, but wait a minute. What would you say? <laughs> yeah, no. He literally has the values of the Saudi Arabian prince. <laughs> like, like, literally, okay. like he should I go to Saudi agree. Arabia. Woman, and- should, women should have rights. I, I think to, to your content, it does sound like he doesn't want women to have rights. And- um, and that's what it sounded like. He did, like you said, he doesn't want women to have rights. He doesn't care that a woman, you know, if they're raped, and they should be able to get an abortion by then. And, and I completely disagree the, with that. You know, right. how we talked about the baby as well as like we. I'm, I'm on the side of the baby boy or girl. You know, it's like it was like girl was a side thought. It's like oh, that's a boy, and I only care about boys and men, and <laughs> women don't really matter. Uh, gay doesn't exist. <laughs> so like, okay okay so like i got to the point okay so here's my point of view and hopefully this don't give me cancer here's my point of view on what i thought about the, the this uh abortion okay, i agree with the way texas did it i believe if there's a heartbeat there should be no choice for abortion at that time unless the mother's life is in danger that's my point you know well that's my I, thought i agree with you to a to a you know extent if in the effect, uh, if in the event the woman is sexually assaulted or the woman is at risk, um, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about it earlier. If this pregnancy here, or maybe even the next one, was, was to, to risk, risk her, her life, life. Um, <laughs> you know, then that would be something that we would have to discuss. Right. Exactly. If if your life is in danger and when you're pregnant. To save your life, if that abortion has to, it's got to happen. I get that. So I'm guessing this FZKQGGGG blah, 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 blah is Megan. Welcome to the show, yep. Megan. Hi. Hi. Um, mm, so 
The reason I didn't call in earlier is because I didn't want to end up on someone's hit list somewhere. You're not going to get on any hit list. Listen, I'm not sure if you ever listened to my shows before. I really don't care what people's opinions. It makes for great content. It makes for a great debate. I'm not if you. Him. To, he, he's right. about to be a, like, he, he's in the, he's not going to be a governor. Let's just put that out there. But he's in the no. running to be a governor. And Major. in order to do that, you have to know people. And he's been doing this for over 40 years. My mother is, I was born in Maine. My mother lived in Maine for many years. Um, you know, like we, we are all from the Northeast, Maine, Massachusetts, up there. So he's, he's known and he knows people. And I was afraid that I would. I mean, reality. <laughs> Let's get to the point. No matter what government you look at, can anybody tell me when the last libertarian has ever won any form of government? Not a single soul. It's crickets, right? The last libertarian has won government. Mark, you needed like the timeout from Jeopardy sound effect for that. Like that. Me, me. So in all honesty, there's no way because he can't run as a Republican, right? Because Republicans given to Paula Page. Paula Page has already been nominated by the Republican Party of Maine. So Paula Page is going to run for the Republican Party. And then we got Janet Mills, who's going to run for the Democratic Party of Maine. So already he's running as a libertarian right there. That's already scratched him out. I'm not saying that's ever, never, ever happened. I'm sure it has way down the freaking past, but there's no chance he's going to win. And not to mention, there are a lot of stuff that he's a hardcore Christian. Like he's an old timer Christian, right? Cause so we got new Christianity, right? There's a new type of, there's Christianity. And then there's old school Christianity. The ones who don't okay, so go into I, I don't even want to say it because, like I said, I don't believe in it. But they're the ones who are against, what is it, homosexuality? They're against homosexuality. Yeah. They think that women should be in the kitchen cooking. They think the woman should be the, the one who manages like the home Baptist. while the husband works, right? It sounds like Southern Baptist, honestly. Exactly. Right. So he's that type of person. That's not where we're at today. Now, not to mention that there is some things that maybe I even sound old school on. But my topics really goes to what happened in a school recently on the reason why I don't agree with sharing a bathroom, which I've come into a large debate with people before in the past. I don't believe if anybody's transgender, if they if they currently have the body part of that opposite sex, like if they have a penis, they shouldn't be able to go in the opposite sex bathroom because of the simple fact of what just happened in that high school. What happened in the high school in Loudoun County is freaking sad and sickening. That's where an individual male stated that, and, and that, now mind you, they're coming out saying he ain't now, but he identified himself as a transsexual and went into a bathroom and raped a female student. She was a freshman. He raped her in both, I guess you could say in both directions. He anal raped her and he also raped her in the front. And now if she was to get pregnant by her assailant, this governor, whatever candidate would, allow her to would get not approve approve of the abortion he would be like absolutely fucking not and that's that's wrong right no that is 100 percent wrong if she was raped and she got pregnant by her rape you know how hard it'd be for a woman to live with a child that was created by her rape no that I is hey, 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 hey. That. sensitive topic there um i actually my oldest child was conceived during a rape Okay, and, and but you, <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it does throw me off, right? It does. Like I don't know because I've never experienced it. But to me, it should be 
at that point, it should be really up to the woman. That's the point is that the point is that we have a choice. We either choose that we can go through with a pregnancy and give the child up for adoption or choose to parent, which is what I did. I chose to parent. He's 10. Or we have the choice to end the pregnancy. And that choice should not be taken away from us. Um, right. My biggest thing is to say, okay, you're in a relationship, right? Your relationship with this individual, everything's going good. You guys decided together that you want to have a baby. So you, you get pregnant four or five months. Well, no, we'll say two, three months down the road. Something goes haywire and you guys decide. But remember, both of you mutually agreed that you want to have a baby. So now you separate. I believe at that time there should be some type of conversation between both. At that time, I believe it's a both party at that point, whether or not to be at a border. Because at this point, both individuals made that comment. Hey, we want to have a kid. Well, I, I kind of disagree there. Um, if there was a situation in which uh, father left or mother left, um, I think it's going to be up to the, the discretion of the mother. Um, she's the one who has to sit through nine months worth of that pain. Um, and not only that, but after giving birth to the child, she also has to be reminded of now her ex. Right, but if she doesn't want the kid, could she offer the baby to her ex? But she still has to go through the pregnancy, and it's she her does. body. And uh, uh, being a woman, we understand the severity of what can happen during childbirth. Um, I have almost died giving birth to every single one of my children. I have three, and it is not that easy to just pop a baby out and hand it over. Um, it doesn't work that way. In some cases, yes, labor and delivery is very easy, but in a lot of cases, it's not. Um, I was told if I were to have another child, the most, most likely I would not survive the pregnancy. So it's not black and white always. And the, the percentage of abortions that are our late term is less than 1%. And it's typically families that wanted a baby and they plan for a baby and this baby has a name and it has a nursery and they, you know, they have wanted a child. And then they find out that the child has deformities or the mother's life is in danger. And then they have to have a medical procedure to end the pregnancy and they're heartbroken and then they have a service and a memorial and it is not just so black and white not every situation is so black and white i don't agree in the sense that abortion should be used as a contraceptive i, I agree this is a law i mean as a weapon i'm sorry what uh what are your feelings of abortion being used as a weapon in what way Meaning, so say, I don't know, say you're out for dinner and you, you're pregnant, you and your significant other have uh, the battle. No matter, you're probably going to get together again in about a month. But you sit there and tell the individual, in mind, you try to think of the male aspect right now. You guys agreed to having a baby. And during the argument, you're like, if you don't, we're done. Now I'm going to go get an abort. We're not having this kid now because of this. Or you need to sign up. Do you think at that point there should be somewhat of an argument? Like, I understand the female aspect. Don't get me wrong. I do. I truly understand the female aspect of it. But at the same time, you got to think there's some type of mental breakdown that a male's going to have too. thinking, oh, I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a dad. She killed my kid. 
been there, done that. I don't. I, I only say it because one of my employees just recently told me a story of it. And that's why I kind of made that happened. I, I've never heard of that happening, and if that has, that's disgusting. And I'm so sorry to who whomever that's happened to. Um, I don't think pregnancy should be weaponized. I don't think abortions should be weaponized. Um, the government is trying to weaponize them against women, though, instead of in favor of them. Banning abortion does not get rid of abortion. It gets rid of safe abortions. I'll agree with that. No, my biggest thing is I, I kind of... I see this is the great thing about living in America. Number one, we, we can all have different opinions, right? So in Texas did a thing. I don't know if Texas is, but once a heartbeat is listened, mm -hmm. they consider a heartbeat as a living human being, yeah, which I can agree If there's a heartbeat, there's a living person, right? No, because there's no brain activity once the heart starts beating. At six weeks, it's not even a heart. It's a reflex. It's a muscle movement. There's no brain. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's a very touchy subject where everybody yeah. can kind of agree and disagree on. And I think, to be honest with you, it does boil down to the woman in their medical provider. But it looks like uh, Sava has their own opinion on here as well in this matter. Greetings, everybody. Hello. So I think where the problem lies, at least from my point of view, is responsibility. I think that the government is way too deep into our personal business and they, they set us up for uh, giving away our rights and responsibilities and uh, they disassociate us from certain things like death, like uh, terminating a pregnancy, which I think should be the woman's choice and no one else really needs to have a say in the matter really. But what happens to the fetuses after they're aborted is, I think, where the real problem lies. I think that fetal research should stop and never, ever happen again. I think that if somebody chooses to have an abortion, no matter what the circumstances are, their families and communities uh, should be there for them or they should, you know, come to terms with the fact that they are going to have a burial for that baby or that life that they created or were forced or what have you. It's, it's, I think that if society had more of a, let's just say consequence for lack of a better word. And, and, and everybody, you know, was aware of, you know, you know, the, the follow through of their actions and, and instead of, oh, I could just go get an abortion and never think about it again and run away and be a coward and, and go out and do it again, probably. But having to go through something like, you know, giving a funeral and, and protecting that body, because fetuses, human fetuses really represent humanity in the science world. And I think that a lot of our issues, a lot of our sicknesses and illnesses have been caused by these so-called scientists and have been uh, used as, and, and so fetuses in that case has been used as a weapon against humanity because they figured us out. Right. That. I get what you're saying. Cause as well as what, what does happen to the fetuses? And, and this is the, I guess it really boils down. You kind of think of Alex Jones when we talk about this. So 
when an abortion happens, I'd never been through an abortion. I'm not a female, so I don't know like what happens. Like, is once you give an abortion, is there anything that comes out during the abortion? Yes. Yeah, okay. and, and so, there, there has to be. Otherwise, there will be. Um, there. I mean, <laughs> you'll get infections. Right. So now this stuff that comes out during abortion, whether I don't know, like once a baby's at a certain age and the abortion happens, obviously there's a physical somewhat of a body there. But yeah. like I've heard of stories saying that this stuff is being used to create treatments. It's well, what they've done vaccine. is they've yeah. isolated a cell line. It's and the HEK 293. Ah, okay. Well, and not just that, but if you can, if you can isolate any cell line, you can control the environment. And I know that sounds like a broad statement. Now, but, does, um, that, does that correlate with uh, stem cell research? Yes. Okay. Stem cell research is a fancy blanket term for fetal research. Now, does that can I allow- ask you a question, Sava? Yeah. Um, have you ever taken Tylenol, Advil, aspirin, Aleve, anything like that? Benadryl? Very rarely. But have you? Yes. Okay, then you have participated in the HEK-293 cells. Not knowingly, but guess what? I know about it now. (laughs) And I do my best. I I do my due diligence to try and avoid that. So if you were to have a severe allergic reaction to something randomly, which can Mm -hmm. happen, and Mm -hmm. you were to need to get shot with epinephrine or take a Benadryl, um, dose at a hospital, would you decline it? Because now you know that there's stem cell or aborted fetus cell research attached to those drugs. Yes, I, I would personally, but see, I, everybody's different, right? I can't speak for anybody else, but myself. I'm personally, and, and I'm not telling that, any, yeah. I'm not telling anyone that they have to do this or that or the other. It's all coming from my own point of view. Right. Now, do you have but, a choice though, during a time of abortion? Do you have a choice whether or not if you want the expellation of this to go towards that research or could you yeah there's a contract that they provide you with uh they word it in such a way that makes you think it's going to go to the greater good and you can sign it say yes or you you can uh, opt out of that but honestly it's like if we don't take care of our responsibility of course we need the hospital or whoever's help to abort it right but if we don't take care of our responsibility that fetus could go anywhere and be used for anything so you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. Okay. I I think I kind of get just a thing. So I'm sorry. Like I've never really talked about abortion. It really hasn't been big. I mean, yeah, this is, this is a first for our <laughs> podcast. Honestly, it's something that affects us all. Right. All yeah. of us. Yeah. And, and with, I will go on the record saying that if I am stung by a bee, give me all of the ibuprofen <laughs> or a Benadryl. Sorry. Yeah. If I got a migraine, give me all the ibuprofen. It, it's look, I mean, I will take whatever I need to make sure that my kids have a father at the end of the day. Right. And that's also one of your decisions for not getting the vaccine. Right. Right. But that, yeah, that, it's your personal choice, right? Of course, everybody has their own personal choice. Um, that's on boiling which down. I'm to- not gonna. I'm not gonna knock someone else for making their personal choice. You know, and, and this is something that this governor candidate doesn't seem to grasp: is that we all have a freedom of choice. Right. I wasn't really watching his facial expression when I started doing my closing statement on that. 
Um, but it really does boil down to this. And the conversation I had yesterday with my employees, uh, well, sorry, my, my customer's employee, you know, it really is battling down now between the left and the right. And oh, son of a bitch, freaking phone. So we're calling people sheeple, right? Oh, you're getting the jab, you're a sheep. No, I really don't care. If you want to get that fucking vaccine, go for it. It is your decision, your right. If we decide we don't want to get it, it is our decision. We're leaving the faith of us and the God's hand, especially right now. If they create one where you can't get it, can't transmit it, and can't die from it, let's talk. But right now, you can transmit it, you can get it, and you can still die from it. Your chances are fewer, but you can do the same thing I can as an unvaccinated person. So why hate on us? I'm just tired of people seeing people throw death threats out over this vaccine. It's pissing me off. There's no reason for death threats. Respect the person's decision. I can have a conversation like we're doing right here with abortion, and I respect the decision. I really do. I understand. Hey, that's your thought process. Great. You know, this is America. Respect mine. Man, crickets. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to understand. Um this comment down below he said the decision would be up to the legislature and that the governor would have no authority to step in that well isn't that who the hell is that is that somebody new <laughs> it ain't megan megan's in the chat oh it's kayla okay oh okay so all right so yeah i think that uh, you'd have to re-listen to the podcast i think she is right i do think he did say it would be up to legislator not him I think she is right on that. I think during, I asked it all of you guys, because like I said, I thought I heard a different side of the story up until the moment we came up to abortion. Yeah. And up to the moment we came up towards gay, being gay. In which, you I, know, so I was trying very hard to bring Megan in uh, while he was on because I wanted her to vent to him. But right. I was like, okay, tell you what. You don't want to call in that. That's cool. That's your choice. Tell me your questions and I will be the one who ends up on a hit list. Right. But the way <laughs> I'm looking at is this number one, listen, up until the point of when we started talking about uh, homosexuality, whatever. And then when we're also talking about the abortion subject, everything else seemed to be doing okay. In my opinion, it didn't seem like it was that bad. I mean, his drug question, I, I don't know. Leaving it up to the family. Yeah, I, I believe that raising of a children, how your children act, does start in the home. I truly believe on how your child becomes, does start in the home, but also starts in the school system. It starts in the home, but after the age of 21, the frontal lobe is uh, finally developed. Them. In, yeah. in, in a female at the age of 21, the frontal lobe is developed, but in a male the frontal lobe is not developed until 25. Now, with that being said, if your 40-year-old son is having a drug problem, you're not going to sit here. What? Pause. I hope you can talk for like three fucking minutes. I've drank two beers during this whole fucking podcast, and I got to go piss out a fucking river. So you better run this podcast without any freaking air breaks. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Um, basically, he's trying to say that you know, it's up to the parents. Well, if that person is too old to have a parent, you know, son, 
kind of situation, then it's not up to the parents. It's up to the self-will and also the state's help. Now, if the person wants help from the state, that's one story. But in what point does the state uh, step in and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and provide you these resources. If you want to take them, that's up to you. But also with the state of Maine as of 2019 or August 31st, 2019, there was only 103 uh, homeless vets in which he said that he couldn't do nothing about. With 103 homeless vets, that's minuscule compared to, say, I don't know, New York, L.A., uh, Las Vegas, anywhere. He could easily. He is is riddled with them in D.C. There's so many of them. Right. In, in which Maine could easily allocate some funding to help those 100 vets. I mean, it, it's not hard to get them set up into Section 8 housing and, you know, get them set up on their feet. It's, it's uh, how do you say, feasible. He also stated in the whole vet conversation that it was the – the government's responsibility, the federal government's responsibility to provide for them, no, not no. the state's responsibility, and that the state would step in, I, he, he guesses, if uh, need be. But in a situation like that, what you know this, Justin, when you join the military, your home of residence is wherever you joined from. Right. And typically when you leave the military, you're sent back to your home of residence or you choose to go back there because that's where you originated from. That's where your family lives. And it is then up to your state and your local VA office to provide you the support and the needs, you know, that you, that you have. If you have mental health problems, it is up to your local VA office in Maine to provide you those necessary. Exactly. Now, and so I have a buddy, Hutch, in which, Megan, you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, in the state of Georgia, he is only getting 30%. He got dislocated shoulder and has 100%. Uh, he can't work. Um, but the VA only gave him 30%. Now, that is up to the state to go ahead and try to bump that up. But in the state of Ohio, for instance, I'm getting 90 you know, it really depends on what the state is willing to give their vets and how much they care about their vets. So if, you know, Georgia doesn't care about their vets, which I can clearly see, then how is that any different from Maine? It's, I just don't understand his, his mindset of it's the federal government's responsibility to provide for them. And in one way, yes, when they're in the military, but once they leave the military, it's up to their local government to provide them the resources that they need. And if there are none in place, then it's up to the governor to make sure that those things are there or to allocate someone to make sure that those things are there. If he doesn't want to waste the time, then allocate a position, create a position to provide the needs for the veterans that it, you literally can do that in the government. We right. see it all the time, you know, with COVID they allocated a whole board to determine what was needed for what research. And they come on monthly to give us updates, blah, blah, blah. What kind of Local update? governments can do that and provide resources for veterans locally. And it starts locally. It doesn't start at the federal level. 
Right. And at the federal level, they provide funding over to the state, but it's up to the state to not pocket that shit and distribute it to the homeless vets or you know, vets in general. They don't have to be homeless. And they can also ask the government for more funds if they feel like they're not receiving enough to provide the, the, the necessary care or the care that they feel like their veterans deserve. Right. Or if they spent their whole rainy day fund on bullshit. And then when they really needed it for a pandemic. Oh, Janet like, Mill. Yeah. Now, what was up with him calling uh, her Jezebel something? I have, no, I have no clue. Listen, so, like, I've got Kayla in here. Kayla Kayla's, uh, actually knows Mike Heath and stuff like that. So let me get this. Number one, before we go into this, I'm not all about bashing people. Um, I'm all about having people come on and talk a platform and discuss everything. Us at the end of the conversation, we talked about this and that about, I don't think he's going to win. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win because there's a lot of Maine has developed. Let me go back actually. So Jezebel kills or whatever to answer your question is what he called it. I don't know that. Hey, everybody's got nicknames for Janet Mills, right? I just call her fuck face. But besides <laughs> the point, I mean, you really look at it. I hate tell telling this and the gay community brings in a lot of money for the state of Maine. We do have a town called a gunkwit. Yes. There's a majority of gay bars and restaurants and stuff like that. There's certain things that I don't agree with. Listen, you can do whatever you want with your lifestyle. If it does not affect my lifestyle, I don't care. The moment you start affecting myself and my family, I'm going to come down on you like a freaking hammer. And that's why I brought up the subject about the whole sharing bathrooms. Listen, if you're transgender, eventually you get the sex change and you got the body part that deserves that set of bathroom, I don't care. Go ahead and use it at that point. But if you got the opposite body part, I'll put it that way, to stay out of that bathroom. That's my opinion, though. But then also, can you, can you give me your opinion on transgender women who still have a penis but identify as a woman and dress as a woman and they've had upper surgery, so they have breasts but they so haven't had lower surgery so they look like a woman on the outside until they pull their pants down Let's so they're pending uh transformation yes. or so when they go into a man's bathroom who's okay, to say now, they are sexually assaulted there and then that that is wrong if they're sexually assaulted so but at that point though no matter what place we go into typically now there's a neutral bathroom isn't there there's one not that's everywhere. Called- and that's why yeah, not I'm everywhere. getting to is that there should be. If we are there, going there to be- it should be like a neutral bathroom. I agree yeah. with you on that. My wife actually made that comment. Maybe there should be a third bathroom, right? So this doesn't happen. In a lot of places, they actually don't call them neutral bathrooms. They call them fa- uh, family bathrooms. Right, exactly. Family bathrooms. Go ahead and use that. My biggest thing is, and I'm not even blaming anybody who's transgender, to be honest with you. I'm blaming the people who's going to, we're running out of time here. I'm blaming the people who's going to abuse the system, right? So it's not everybody. I'm not blaming any transgender, any gay, any whatever. I'm not blaming none of them. What I'm doing is blaming the people who's going to abuse it. I'm blaming the guy who down the street got, uh, you know, who's got pedophile fucking charges against him. So now he goes ahead and throws on a dress and uses that as his excuse to go in that opposite sex bathroom to sexually abuse a child. That's why are you supposed to know? You're I'm not supposed to know. And that's a, that's why I'm not. That's why I'm against the whole. I'll use the opposite sex bathroom at the current time. Why not create another bathroom? That's why I'm against it because you don't know. Because I'll tell you what. God forbid anybody touches my child, I'm going to jail. I really am. I don't care what it is. You thought Kyle Rittenhouse is bad? I'm going to be eighty times worse. 
Part of the reason I had Justin ask for me about the um, women calling into the domestic violence hotline um, was because the issues of the way that Maine reacts to domestic violence and sexual predator situations to minors and adults. Um, I was abused by my father in Wells, Maine, um, severely abused. I actually don't live in Maine any longer because of the abuse. I do visit. I did visit through my childhood. Um, but I, to this day, will not step foot in Wells because I'm terrified. Um, and Maine did me dirty. He never saw a day inside of a jail cell. Um, and they, this, to this day, I still know people who have reported sexual assaults, adult women, women reporting on behalf of their children or men reporting on behalf of their children. And it is not taken seriously. Um, I was told that I was too young to be a good witness. And I was told that, um, my mother most likely put the thought process in my head, even though I had physical injuries from, from the abuse. Megan, I really hate to do this. We're at we're in one hour and 51 minutes. Unfortunately, this freaking system we use kills us at two hours. If you are ever willing to be a guest on the show, I would love to talk about this because number one, I do think that's an issue and it should be resolved. Anybody who is a sexual predator, number one, should be spending their life behind bars, getting castrated, being told it's that they're so a sexual great. predator so they can get their asses kicked in fucking jail. I understand that you and I do disagree on a certain other aspects, which make great, like I said, great for great content. We do have disagreements, but that's the great thing about my podcast. And I'm, this is how I'm going to end it, you guys. I'm sorry that I'm cutting everything short, but we are running out of time. I may not agree with everybody. We may have different opinions. But like I said before, we're all humans. We're all Americans. And that's what makes America great. We all can we can come to a mutual ground, have a discussion. As long as you keep an open mind about things and don't want to kill each other, it's great. At the end of the day, I'm not sleeping in bed with anybody other than my my family. I'm not breaking bread with anybody. Actually, although I would love to break bread. Do you all remember Thanksgiving when you could sit at the dinner table? Yeah, and that got, happened last year. Right. <laughs> no one no one killed each other, right? Uh, okay. No one pulled out a gun and shot each other in the head, right? He's not in my household. <laughs> <laughs> but need to say, we need to go back to the day where we can have these arguments and batter between each other. But in the end of the day, we go on separate ways and our lives didn't get affected by it. That's what we need to do. And that's why I created No Filterator. No Filterator. Wow. No Filter Radio. Yeah. Notice Someone that. That was a statement. Shut up, Justin. <laughs> that's why I created No Filter Radio. Unfortunately, half of the shit we talk about in the show gets me banned on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and Twitch, and so forth. That's why I do a lot of this on Podbean and Rumble. Um. Uh, Justin, since I got you on the show, here's what I'm thinking about doing for No Filter Radio. On one of these days, either Sunday or Tuesday night show, I would love to sit down, go on Podbean, but I'd have to have you on the video software so you can be able to see what I'm doing. And we commentary certain videos. Unfortunately, Megan may not like this. But I was thinking of doing libs of TikTok, random TikToks, and also other videos out there. Uh, they go both left and right wing side to just the commentary on a lot of the fucked up shit that's out there just to have some fun and lighten up the show a little bit. So we're not always political, but I would love to come back to you, Megan, in regards to what you were talking about here. I honestly would love to have a discussion on that because I do think there is a problem in Maine. 
um, that needs to be taken care of. Because I do know some people as well who's been sexually assaulted and their perpetrator still out there. Yeah, my father is free and he's still there in Wells, just living his life on Hubbard Lane. So, is that a lane he made up? Because I ain't gonna go no, out too much. I'm detail. serious. Like that's it's a lane in Wells, Maine. No shit. So, I do want to come back with a show like that. I think that'd be a great content. Matter of fact, maybe I can work out something with you. It may be when my children are awake. Um, if someone was going to do a genuine gab, and I'm thinking that's going to be more of a podcast for my children, but I also have to do one with my sister-in-law who actually went from heavy addiction to where she is now actually being a counselor in a drug home. Um, and it's living her best life and she's recovered, which is great. Maybe we can tie them because she's been sex trafficking and stuff like that within that show. And that'd be a great way to tie everything in. Yeah. Um, I just lost my best friend from an overdose in July. She was three years clean and, and was sexually assaulted. And we actually believe that, uh, she was murdered, but the police won't investigate because she has a history of abuse uh, of, of drug abuse. So I do have some commentary on that as well. <laughs> so maybe we can tie those two shows in together. And unfortunately, Justin, that'll probably be the one I keep you out on. I know you can yell at me later. <laughs> we could tie in that show later on. Um, other than that, Justin, you got anything you want to say before I end this show up, wrap it up? Um, four I will time. say, look, at the end of the day, we all bleed red. Um, some of us bleed a little bit more than others, but depends where you get. Anyways. Um, time in the month, though, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we all know how crooked some people can be. Um, in which we got a fine example of that tonight, um, in which, honestly, uh, yeah, I'm not even in Maine, and I hope this guy doesn't get elected, um, which I don't see it happening. Um, most of your state is LGBTQ uh, friendly. Um, it's just not going to happen. I don't see it feasible. A dude would have better luck running in Texas. But at the end of the day, we can all come together and either agree to disagree or we can agree on certain topics, which I would love for the three of us to be able to get together and uh, discuss certain things without getting heated or whatever, you know, and I know it's a rarity because we're both, we're all, you know, different sides of the spectrum. Um, and that's completely fine, but that's all I got for now. Megan, you got anything you want to say real quick? Um, I really hope he doesn't get elected. I don't think he would be good for Maine at all. I think that he wants women to be seen and not heard. I think that if he could prevent women from having a choice in the vote at all, he would do that. Um, it's quite obvious his stances don't align with what the standard is in Maine. I spent a lot of time there. Old Orchard Beach in 2019 alone, I saw so many LGBTQ, you know, members of the community there. I myself am part of the community, um, and I just can't see it happening. And he's just, he's not a very good man. So. And as that being said, folks, listen, I, like I said, I invite anybody on the show because everybody needs a platform to talk, regardless if we have different opinions, it is what it is. At the end of the day, you are the one to judge. You are the one to make the decision. If you are living in the state of Maine, it is up to you to listen to all parties and go by your, your thought process and who you want to vote in. I, for one, is still sticking with my opinion of voting for Paul LePage. And I made that clear during this interview to Mr. Michael Heath that I am a LePage supporter. Other than that, I got to get out of here. I got to make this intro go 
Remember, stay safe out there. God bless. I love you all. Later. You've been listening to No Filter Radio. We live in an awesome country that provides freedom of speech. And this show obviously takes full advantage of that. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you had fun along the way, too. We know we did. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, get everything you may need at nofilterradio.net. That's nofilterradio.net. Till next time, give them hell. Bye-bye.